Jesus. He's alive, amen. He's risen. It might not be Easter, but it's Easter every every day for us, amen. All right. So, um, years ago, I don't know how long how long has this been now. Uh, five years ago, maybe five or six years ago, um, I was I was moved from teaching high school English, which you know, side note, I kind of wanted to teach PE, but um, in, my, all, in my eleven years of coaching basketball, I taught English nine of those years. And um, and I was you really wanting to get into the gym and and uh, they said we're going to move you this year. I'm thinking maybe to the gym. Uh, and no, they moved me to middle school. Um, and uh, the blessing about that is I got to teach somebody like Alex right, um, that year. Um, but that was a rough year. In fact, I talked to some people who were in Alex's class, <laughs> and I was just being very honest with them. That was really and I'm just being completely honest. They're seniors now. I love them all. That was like my only good class. Like it was the one of the roughest years I've ever had uh, as, as a teacher. Um, and this is about I don't know maybe October, uh, you know, and November, whatever. And um, we used to get observed a lot. You know, the state was coming around a lot. And 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 Chris Combass, who happens to be a, a good friend of mine. In fact, we were in each other's weddings. Um, see each other less now than we did whenever I didn't live here, which is weird. But uh, but. Uh, he comes in, you know, and, and um, he, he observes and all this. And, and I, again, I'm teaching. I'm struggling, uh, struggling with, with just a rough year, um, and it's doing the best I can. And um, he came in, I think, second period. And then after fourth period, uh, I'm, I'm at lunch, and I notice I have a note left on my, on my desk from Chris. And um, I think all it said was something like, uh, you're, an, you're an amazing teacher. Uh, we're glad to have you. Keep doing what you're doing. It's something to that effect. Real simple. Um, made me cry um, because I needed it. You know, you ever been there? You, you know, like you, you, you just need some encouragement, man. You're like, wow. And somebody gives it to you. You're like, that's just what I needed. You know, um, and, and that was the time for me because I just really need to be encouraged because I do believe some people have the gift of encouragement, um, among other things. And I felt like I could just keep going. So, so why, do you, why do you attend church? It's not really a question for you to answer out loud because I could probably get uh, some different answers, but something to think about. You know, I've seen uh, people attend church, um, you know, many churches for different reasons, um, for their personal benefit, you know, and I'm, I'm not trying to call anybody out or anything, but I've seen people come and it seems like the only reason why they came was because they could ask for a donation for something, uh, you know, I'm just be honest, you know, or they come for this reason or for that reason. And it, it, it seems like for some people, it's about what they could get from it, you know. Um, and, and they, they never really helped out in any way. They, they didn't give. They didn't, they didn't teach anything. They didn't prepare any meals. They, they didn't clean anything. They didn't do, you know, but it's almost like, I hate to say it, it sounds awful, but it was almost like they're spiritual leeches, you know? Can you think of anything good about a leech? All right. And so uh, they didn't really benefit anyone but themselves. You're like, man, Brother Patrick, you're coming hard this morning. Well, you know, the obvious conclusion from what I said is not to be a spiritual leech. Okay, we can just go on home now, maybe. All right, um, that would be a good one. Let's, let's not be leeches. Um, but but my central statement is is going to be here on on the screen. I think, and Miss Rhonda always does a good job. I told her to be on her toes this morning because there's a couple things that we might have to bounce around on this morning. But it's a kind of a long one, um, and it was kind of a difficult one to come up with. Let me be honest with you. Um, with with the verses we're covering today, Ephesians four eleven through thirteen, um, and the title of it is building up the body of Christ. But while some roles, and, and some, I wish I would have capitalized that, while some roles in a church are for equipping Christians for the work of the ministry, 
All Christians are to strive for unity and grow in our spiritual maturity, which is measured by Christ's fullness. So I don't know if that's quite a run, quite a run on sentence or not. Miss Donna, I don't know. You'll have to grade me later on that. Uh, but, but don't tell me now. It might hurt my feelings. Um, so that's what we're looking at. And you, and you guys, we mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Uh, are You're familiar with the 20-80 rule? You know, 20% uh, of the people do 80% of the work. You know, um, and, um, you know, and, and there are some people who are content to let other people do that work, you know, uh, and just kind of say. And so we're kind of looking at this idea. If we want to build the body of Christ and grow in our spiritual maturity, which we'll look at more next week, um, you know, what, what are the roles? What do we have? What, you know, do some have certain special uh, specific roles, you know, certain special roles? But everybody's job is to you know, use our gifts. Um, for the, the glory of God. Amen. And so that's what we're looking at today. So let's look at it uh, verse by verse here, starting in the first one, verse 11. And he himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. And, and what you're going to notice is really the first two are, they kind of, um, you know, don't really apply uh, today. All right. But, um, so we're going to get into that. So Jesus, first off, Jesus is the giver. Jesus is the giver. Um, and I want you to notice, you know, last week we talked about the unity to diversity to unity thing we kept seeing in last week's message, right? And so um, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 5 and 6 says, again, you're going to see the uni unity diversity. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. And like Sally, she preached it better than I did already. You know, she already preached, talked about the, the idea of, of using your gifts for God. These roles, by the way, uh, that we're looking at specifically in this verse are all um, gifts from Christ to the church okay, in the form of, of people. Um, now, uh, you know, like I, I said last week, if, uh, if everybody were teachers, where would the students be? everybody were students, where would the teachers be? You know, you have different roles. Um, and it kind of reminds me of that old quote, uh, there's too many chiefs and not enough Indians. You know, sometimes that's the case in some places. Uh, um, and have you, have you ever felt like you weren't ready for something, like a test or anything in your life, anybody? How does that, doesn't that feel awful to not feel prepared? Like, I, I mean, uh, my mom will tell you, and she, she, maybe she watches later, and she'll text me later and say, yep, that was you. Um, I really did not like the first week or two of any term in any of my educational experience. High school, college, I didn't like it. Because I want to know what do I need to do to make an A in this class, okay? And since it's new to me, in that, especially when I got in college, uh, I, man, I'm like, okay, how do I do, what do I need to do? Okay, come on, tell me, all right? But you're, you're new to the class, and you don't know the teacher yet, professor yet, and so you don't really know, all right? And, and I would just stress out so much, and if the professor told us to read pages 52 to 225, then by golly, I'm going to read it, you know? And then after the first test, I'll know whether he really meant me to read it or not, you know? But, um, you know, but being prepared is, is, is something that, uh, you know, I just, I just really, uh, it, was, it was very, very important to me. And, and uh, I mentioned this before, I always wanted my team to be prepared. I never wanted to be um, unprepared for a game. I didn't want it to look like it was my fault. You know, so I was going to do whatever I could to get them uh, ready or to get my students ready, you know. And we'd have, in fact, it's so funny, just the other night, uh, the, the youth pastor at Corinth is Brian Phillips. Um, I taught him when he was in Lee. Um, and and was uh, he was his youth pastor and his baseball coach and his teacher and now he's the youth pastor at Corinth been there for about as long as I've been here and uh, he said how he's teaching now and he says how he remember how you used to do these little basketball game reviews I do that now 
you know, and, and, and he said, now my students love it because, you know, they're going to have a test and they're going to have a review, you know, and he says, I want mine ready. So even if it meant taking an extra day to review, I wanted them ready. So what's the, you see the obvious, hope you'll see the obvious connection here um, to, to have, have them equipped, all right, to be ready. All right, we want our, our people, we want, obviously, you guys, I want you all to be ready, all right, to, uh, to use your gifts uh, for God's glory. And, and uh, while I highly encourage everybody here, of course, to read the Bible daily, all right, definitely, all right, um, it, it's also good sometimes to just be taught by other people, right? You know, I listen to a lot of preachers, and, you know, and, and it's, it's good, to, good to be taught. And so let's kind of look at, we're going to break down these different, um, like, people gifts, if you will, uh, if I can kind of make that up or whatever. Um, and so, look at verse 11, the first one is apostles. So we're going to kind of go through that and look at a little bit of, the, uh, of some other verses that go with it. And so, uh, apostles, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28 says, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, etc. I'm not going to read the rest of that because it's kind of looking highlighting at apostles. The term apostles primarily refers to people sent with a divine mission or task. They also serve as spokesmen for God, bringing new revelation and understanding to the church. Uh, and it appears that both apostles and prophets, the second one we're going to look at today, refer to offices that were part of the first Christian generation. Okay, um, apostles in the strict in the strict definition of the word were those who had seen Christ. Okay, physically. Okay, First Corinthians nine verses one through two. Um, he, you know, Paul was defending himself. He's like, "Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Okay, uh, are you not my work in the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, at least I am to you, because you are the seal of my apostleship in the, in, apostleship in the Lord. But I've seen, I've seen. Okay, uh, and we're witnesses of His resurrection. Acts one verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So you know you you are a witness to this, to the resurrection. And in Acts one verses twenty one through twenty three says, therefore, from among the men. Uh, this is when they were um, replacing Judas Iscariot, okay? Uh, who have a, he said, among the men who have accompanied us during the whole time, the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us. From among these, it's necessary that one become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed to Joseph called Barsabas, who, who was also known as Justice and Matthias. And Matthias was the one eventually chosen, all right? Uh, and then they were immediately, uh, some were, these apostles were immediately commissioned by him to preach. Uh, in Matthew 10, verse 5, and they used the word disciples there. It says, Jesus sent out these 12 after giving them instructions. Don't take the road that leads to the Gentiles. Don't enter any Samaritan town. This is before he sent them off. And then in a broader sense, the word was used of those who, though not commissioned directly by Christ, as were Paul and the Jerusalem apostles, Preach the gospel in close connection with, with these men. Uh, Acts 14, 14 says, The apostles Barnabas and Paul tore their robes when they heard this and rushed into the crowd shouting and just kind of used that word apostle. So uh, I know I'm kind of getting to teacher mode here. Uh, there's another one I want to, I want to refer to. Uh, you'll see that Paul refers to both himself, Timothy, and Silas as apostles in 1 Thessalonians 2, 7. If you, I think that's up there, Miss Rhonda. Right, there you go. Um, I actually have that in my notes. But although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead we are gentle among you as a nurse nurtures his own children. And he was referring uh, to um, Timothy, for Paul, Timothy, and Silas. Okay? So again, it, it appears that this is more from a, a first-generation time. Same thing with prophets, but I do want to uh, touch on that real, real briefly. It says prophets 
revealed God's will to believers for the present and predicted the future, like foretelling. All, all apostles were prophets, but not all prophets were apostles. Uh, prophets performed a preaching function. They spoke under immediate inspiration of the Spirit of God. And here are a few examples I want to share with you. Again, uh, not, not trying to get you lost in the details, but just trying to give you a little background. Acts 11, verse 27 says, In those days some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. You see, actually see the word prophets in there. And then 21, verse 4 says, We sought out the disciples and stayed there seven days. Through the Spirit they told Paul not to go to Jerusalem. You see a prophet function there. Uh, the theologian Smith says uh, speaks of prophets as persons acting and speaking under extraordinarily divine impulse and inspiration, whether in prediction or in teaching. Okay, So through them, when there was yet no New Testament at that time, God gave guidance and direction to his people. After the writings of the New Testament came into general circulation, the offices of apostle and prophet appear to have been withdrawn. Okay? Um, but the next one, evangelists. The rest, I think we can relate to a little bit more. Evangelists. Uh, evangelists were people who are gifted to spread the gospel and plant churches. Evangelists proclaimed the good news and word and deed and instructed others in evangelism. Uh, I, I know a, a guy, he's a pastor of another church now, and he was an evangelist for years. And, you know, and, and, he, and he and I had a good talk about how tough it is to come up with a, a sermon every week now. Because you know, he said, I had the same three or four messages, and I just preached the same three or four messages everywhere because he was an evangelist. You know, and it was a, he had that, that gift. Um, interestingly, the, word, the Greek word for evangelist occurs only three times in the New Testament. Pretty interesting. Uh, once of Philip in Acts 21.8. Right? We'll look at that. It says, The next day uh, we left and came to Caesarea, where we entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. Okay, Once of Timothy, all right? 2 Timothy 4, verse 5, But as for you, exercise self-control in everything, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, and then here in Ephesians. So pretty interesting. All right. Again, it speaks of one who announces glad tidings, one who's called and devoted to the direct proclamation of the good news of salvation, the gospel, so specifically the gospel. Um, and and I, I, you know, I can't help but think of um, just the other day going to the thing that Mr. Mike was at uh, for FCA and, and Jace Robertson from Duck Dynasty. I think he has a gift of evangelism. You know, uh, he, he, well, his, he was so simple in delivering the message of salvation. It's so simple. And it was like, man, I wish I could do that. You know, I, I, I want to be more like that, you know. Uh, but it, it's just unbelievable. And then the next one, pastors, shepherds, okay. Um, pastors and teachers, uh, by the way, shared similar responsibilities. Uh, pastors provided oversight, comfort, and guidance as the church's shepherds. Look at that, Acts 20, 28. Be on guard for yourselves and all for the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And then First Peter 5, verses 1 through 4 says, I exhort the elders uh, among you as a fellow elder, and also the word uh, shepherd here, um, and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. I believe it would be like, like, uh, like basically like myself as a pastor of uh, local churches uh, and then teachers and then a lot of your teachers here we have we have teachers who taught in school and I'm sure you've taught Sunday school all right how many of y'all ever taught Sunday school in here all right uh, yeah I mean and and uh, teachers man so important okay so important teachers instructed instructs and helps apply God's revelation to the life of the church uh, Acts 13 1 says now in the church of Antioch there were prophets and teachers 
Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a close friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. Um, and so you see that some believe that pastors and teachers are one and the same, uh, but it's more likely that all pastors are teachers, but not all teachers are pastors. Yeah, I do believe there's a little bit of difference there. And so, um, and that's kind of weird. And again, I'm, it's kind of long there. Hopefully, you didn't get bogged down too much. But see, some roles in a church are those. Okay, and, and you may you may have served in one of those areas. God may be calling you to serve in one of those areas now. Right? Um, you know, there there may be some that God might be calling you to be a pastor in another church. Right? Uh, and, or you know, to be a teacher here. Right? Or even an evangelist. Uh, and start some ministry there. So anyway, I want you to consider that. And so we'll look in this next section at what the people who serve in these roles actually do, what their purpose is. And so here's the, the central statement again. Some roles are for equipping, and then all Christians are to strive for unity and grow in our spiritual maturity. So let's look at that, let's look at that part. Ephesians 4, verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ. And, and this is where I felt like Chris helped me as far as just being a teacher, you know, and just kind of making that, that, that uh, using that as a metaphor. You know, I was just encouraged after that note. And I was, uh, to, to just keep going, you know, to do what I'm doing, you know. And, and, uh, and, and as a pastor and, and a, a teacher, and you hopefully you did that with your students, you wanted to encourage them, you wanted to equip them. You know, uh, what I found very interesting is that the term translated equipping was sometimes used to refer to mending or restoring. And I love the details. Y'all know all the details. I thought that was so cool. Because don't some people need mending and restoring? Did, did you need mending and restoring? I did. Okay. And so I just think that's really cool. All right. Just come in and just mend and restore and, and, and to encourage. Because um, I think we all need that. And I bet I know we can all say that churches, there's some churches who need it. All right? The churches who need some mending. That needs, there's some I've heard in, in our own community that, that, need, that need that right now. Um, equipping also has the idea of to put right. Um, this ancient Greek word was used to describe setting broken bones okay, uh, or mending nets, to set right. And another, another one of these details that, that preaches itself. I mean, that's just really, really cool um, because you know, that's what we wanted to put right. Our purpose is to glorify God. And, and there's sometimes people are not really sure quite how to do that. So they need some direction. You know, so you help them. You come in, you encourage them, and you teach them in your Sunday school class where they come and they listen to preaching. See, these ministries work together to produce strong, mended, fit Christians. Amen? I think that's a, kind of a cool note. First Peter 4.10 says, Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. Again, are you using your gifts today in this current time? Why, why, would, why would we as Christians need to be equipped, though, Brother Patrick? I mean, you know, I'm retired, all right, or whatever. And man, why can't we just kind of lay out in the sun, get a tan, and drink some lemonade, and just relax? Why can't we just do that? We we just chill, as the uh, as the younger people would say. We just chill, right? Chillax is that a word? I think they may. Is it in the dictionary yet? I don't know. Does Alex ever say that word? Probably not. I can't see him ever saying that word. But anyway, uh, I bet some of his, team, his classmates would, though. Uh, so, and that got me thinking, um, you know, uh, of a verse in 1 Corinthians. It's not in here, by the way, Miss Rhonda. Uh, but 1 Corinthians 15, the second part of verse 32, um, it says, If the dead are not raised, we can eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. Right? If, if the dead aren't raised. Let's see, the dead are raised. Amen. And so, we, so we do. We, you know, that that's not our our uh, mode of, of op, how you say operandi. How, you know, that's not 
the way we operate is just chill. We just got it made. We're just going to relax for the time. All right. Just going to relax. We see, I see that a lot. You know, they, you know, we, I'm retired. Well, you're not retired from, from, uh, from Christian ministry ever. Amen. Uh, you can always be used by him. And then not only is that the case, but there is another very real, um, present danger and clear danger that we need to be aware of. First Peter 5, 8 tells us about that. Be sober minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Right? So lest we ever think we just got it made and we can drink some lemonade and, and sweet sweet tea, Arnold Palmer, combine it together, whatever, all right? uh, and we can just chill, chillax and relax, we have a very real adversary who is out to get us. Right, so we, we we best be ready, amen. All right, and and so um, that's that's a big one to me. All right, because and and he's going to go after those those young ones too, okay? um, who who man they don't they maybe don't know a whole lot about Jesus, but man they they're excited and they give their lives to to Christ. And then what do we do sometimes as churches? We leave them, and we don't do a thing about them, you know. And well, I'm preaching I'm preaching about churches I've been at, okay. Uh, and I'm, you know, glad to say that this church, for we try to do something, you know, we don't have a, we don't have a lot of people, but we try, you know, if, if that means I'm meeting, you know, uh, in, in my office with somebody and discipling myself, we'll, we'll do whatever we can. And, and if that's an area where you feel called to, we'll be surely glad to have you. All right, just have a beginner's Christian class. You know, I have material already, or you can use other material, you know, and we make sure that it's legit and we can do that because I see that happen. It's so sad. You'll see somebody when they're fired up, they get saved, and then there's nowhere for them to go to church. And and, and they go somewhere where they're teaching this really hard stuff, and they're like, I don't know what they're talking about. They're not going to come very often. They need something for them where they can learn. What does it mean? What do I need to do to grow? You know, and so um, I kind of went to meddling. The old, old pre- preacher used to say that. I went from preaching to meddling there for a moment, I, I guess. But be ready. And then notice it says in that verse, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Who is that? That's every one of us. Okay. Again, it's not something special. Yeah, the last verse, the first verse, that was certain special functions. This is not. This is everybody. Everybody's included. Okay. It's all the above, E. All right, everybody's included. I, I've, again, I've seen way, uh, way too many people who in churches got saved and that's it. All right. Um, I, I love what J. Vernon McGee said, and I, I use him as one of my, you know, one of my resources every week. And, and it's an older guy, but I like his stuff. Um, and, and forgive me for the length of this, but please listen because I, I can't make a better, I can't say it better than he does. And, and, uh, and so here's what he says. He says, "I think the greatest sin in the local church today." is the ignorance of the man sitting in the pew. Strong words. Listen to what he says. He doesn't know the Word of God, and that is a tragedy. I would hate to get into an airplane if the pilot didn't know any more about flying than the average church member knows about Christianity and the Word of God. You know about flying. That's a strong statement. He goes on to say, the plane wouldn't make it. I think it would crash before it got 10 feet into the air. That is the condition of the church today. All believers need to be trained in the Word of God so that they can do the work of the ministry. Amen to that, Brother McGee. Right? That is some strong statements, but very, very appropriate if you ask me. And then, for what? Equipping all saints, everybody, for what? For the work of the ministry. Again, oh, for the, we can just chill, come to eat some good meals in a couple weeks, and that's it? No, that's, that's, not, that's not it. For the work of ministry. The work of ministry, not the play of ministry, not the leisure of ministry, 
it's work. It's not going to be easy. I have a former player. I talked about him a little bit today. Um, he, he posts on Twitter probably once or twice a week, chop wood, carry water. That's his, that's his tweet. Chop wood, carry water. In other words, I'm going to work today. All right? I'm going to go work, do my, put my work in today. Just letting y'all know. All right? Uh, and I just, I love that. We have a job to do, and it's every day. There are no days off. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. All right? What is, what is the work of the ministry? What is our message? The message of, the, of reconciliation. Right? That there is a God who loves you, who gave his son to die for you. In your place. That's the message of reconciliation. And I, I, I'm reminded and not saying, I just I think it's awesome, but hearing about how PJ plays a, plays a Christian music in his car when there's somebody in there. Because they can't get away, can they, brother? All right? Can't, 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 can't leave. You know, I just, I, you know, the ministry of reconciliation, doing whatever it takes. I, I bet you don't just do that one time. Right? I bet you do that pretty regularly, right? And so, and by the way, the Greek text, I love this too. Y'all know, again, I love the details. The Greek text, if you look back at that, okay, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That Greek text isn't works of ministry, okay? It's work. Well, what, what do you mean, Brother Patrick? Well, that, mean, that means that the work of the saints, of us Christians, should be viewed as a whole rather than as individual parts. Now, yes, we have our part we, got, we have to do. But we all are in this together. Just like Sally said earlier, we're in, we're in this together. We all have a role. Right? Uh, John Stott said, Here is incontrovertible evidence that the New Testament envisages, envisages, oh, I can't say that, envisages ministry not as the prerogative of a clerical elite, but as the privileged calling of all the people of God. It's not just a little bit. You know, it's just not a few of us that may have got called to be an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher, but everybody, everybody has a job and we're all working together. Amen? To build up, what's the, what's the point? Again, I said this earlier as well. To equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. Going back to what Chris did, that, that built me up, man. It wasn't anything but just a little simple note, but it but it, it charged me forward and helped me go another couple months. All right? Uh, which which was huge to build up to edify, and I and I'm going to refer to this uh, actually a good bit next week. But while it's somewhat sad to see my girls uh, grow up, I also know it's natural. I know it's natural. If we are in the body of Christ, it's it's natural that we should grow up. Amen. Uh, we you know we're going to discuss that more in future sermons, especially next week. When we are all to be part of that process, and I'm going to refer to these same scriptures next week, I'm sure, but Ephesians 4, verse 16, from him the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part, all doing our part, whatever that might be. And, and it may be, you know, here at the church, and it may be for another ministry. I think of Mr. Mike and, and, the, and the work he's done with FCA outdoors and just, uh, you know, just cooking a meal and, and being out and hanging out with, with, with them, right? Uh, and I just, I, I look at that as an example. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26 says, What then, brothers and sisters, whenever you come together, each one has a hymn, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything is to be done for building up the body of Christ, which we already mentioned before, but I, uh, at 1 Corinthians 12, 27, now you, you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Amen. 
And so while some roles in the church are for equipping Christians for the work of the ministry, all Christians are to strive for unity and grow in our spiritual maturity, which is measured by Christ's fullness. So let's look at verse 13 as we wrap up here. Ephesians 4, 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity. Again, we're going to look at this again next week with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. So I'm just going to give you kind of a little taste of it now, but there's a greater point I want to get at here. Right? So this ministry work is intended to move believers toward it's going to be on the next one. Unity of faith and a knowledge of Christ and spiritual maturity. Let's look at the first one here. Verse 3, by the way, if you remember a couple weeks ago, it portrays unity as something already provided by the Spirit. And, and we, were, we were to preserve it. We were to nurture it, right? Uh, but this one, verse 13, sees unity as a goal of ministry, something we should strive for. Okay. Uh, Ephesians 1, verse 17. Y'all know I love the, the Scriptures, so we're going to read it and, and let God preach. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him, right, that you'll know Jesus. And then Philippians 3, verse 10 says, My goal is to know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering being conformed to His death, to know Him. And I think you'll agree with me that the, the, greater, the, the more you know Him, the more you'll realize how simple you are, right? And how far you are, you, you've missed the mark. Colossians 2, verse 2 says, I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. Amen. It's all about growing, right? unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son. And then growing into maturity. Again, you're, we're going to see these verses again in the coming weeks. But Hebrews 5, 14, But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20 says, Brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your thinking, but be infants in regard to evil and adult in your thinking. I like the little paradox there. Colossians 1 verse 28 says, We proclaim Him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Can we do that as a church? And we say, hey, man, this church, we're mature in our relationship with Christ. And we all have a role in that. 2 Corinthians 13, 9, We rejoice when we are weak and you are strong. We also pray that you become fully mature. You see, yeah, hopefully you're, you're getting the point. Now, how many times as a teacher have... Have we wanted our students to act a little more mature? Come on now. All right. Whether you're teaching kindergartners, you want them to act more like third graders or whatever it may be. I can't tell you how many times as a teacher I said that. But y'all acting like a bunch of sixth graders now. All right. And, and that might be seniors. All right. Or they really don't like that. You know, or, you know, just really kind of challenge them. But you want them to be mature. I mean, can you imagine how God must feel sometimes? Of course, I can't really imagine. I got God as God. And, and, but if I were Him, I would be like, get it right. Come on, what y'all doing? Right, hey, come on, grow up, grow up. Stature measured by Christ's fullness. I want to end there uh, today. And this is where I really want to. This is the part of this particular la this last verse that that really stood out to me. And that's by what standard are we being measured? By what standard? Uh, how many of y'all have ever seen the movie uh, The Patriot with Mel Gibson? It was one of my favorite movies at the time. When I taught American history in middle school, I, sh I showed it, showed the whole movie, okay? Because um, I was like, this is, because I had done a lot of research and a lot of that is very accurate. It may not be, you know, he represented like three people, right? Mel Gibson wasn't one person. He was like three people who really lived in, in the one. And it was really, really cool. And y'all, if y'all remember, there's a part where he tells the son, aim small, miss small, all right? You've said it before, I bet. 
aim small, miss small. And, and while some of you might think that that's just a line from the movie, it, it, it's actually not. Uh, it was actually the advice given to both the leading star and Heath Ledger by the film's technical advisor on how to shoot a muzzle-loading rifle. It was actually from real, a real tip given to real actors, uh, and then it found its way in the script and in, in the movie. Pretty cool. Aim small, miss small. Or maybe you've heard a quote, shoot for the moon. Even if you miss, you'll land among the stars, right? Because because you, you're, you're, what you're shooting for is so awesome. See, we all have great expectations for our children. You know, and, and I always had great expectations of my players. I wanted them to be held to a higher, a higher standard. And the thing is, Jesus Christ is the standard of maturity to which the Christ should aspire. Amen. Uh, Romans eight twenty nine says, "For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters." So we want to be like him. Second Corinthians three verse eighteen says, "We all, with unveiled faces, are looking." as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Right? He gives us that help, and we want to transform and be more like Him. As we ask Miss uh, Dolores and Miss Sally to come, and I close it out, I have a couple more verses. Colossians 1, verse 19 says, For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him. And Colossians 2 says, For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. So, so we, we, we want to be like Him. And so while some roles are, are for special equipping areas, equipping Christians, all of us are supposed to strive for unity and grow in our relationship. Are you doing that? And as we're measured by Christ's fullness. So there was this old song, and I'm sure some of you will, will, will know this, by Ray Bolts, uh, my, uh, my, uh, one of my spiritual mentors. Um, Bill Clayton used to sing this song. and Boy, he could sing it. You know? uh, he had the gift of singing and preaching, man. Golly. Uh, how about being envious of that? Not supposed to be, right? Not to be supposed to be. I preached that last week. Shame on me, all right? But sit, and I'm sure some of y'all remember this, and I'm not going to sing it, so blessings to you for that, all right? It says, I dreamed I went to heaven. You were there with me. We walked along the streets of gold beside a crystal sea. We heard the angels singing, then someone called your name. You turned and saw a young man. He was smiling as he came. He said, friend, you may not know me now, but then he said, but wait. You used to teach my Sunday school when I was only eight. Every week you would say a prayer before the class would start. One morning when you said that prayer, I asked Jesus in my heart, thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm a life that was changed. Thank you. For giving to the Lord, I'm so glad you gave. There's more to that song, but I think you you get the point. Okay? You never know. You never know. Right? And, and, and it can be uh, just a simple, you know, smile at a restaurant, you know, that that, that person needed that day uh, or whatever. And, and it's, it's always kind of cool when someone comes up to you and they're like, I see Jesus in you. Or something, you know. Hopefully, you can, that's something that can be said about you. You know that that you have joy in your heart, and you you have that example that you share, and you and you share the gospel with those around you. So think of the person who told you about Christ today. Maybe it was your Sunday school teacher or um, or preacher when you were young. Um, I'm thankful for 
I'm thankful, uh, although, you know, things have changed since then, I'm thankful for Marion Roberts. Um, and Miss Miss April knows her. She was my in high school, my best friend Alan, his mom. And boy, they make sure they had some video on Fire by Night. Y'all remember that at all? Fire by Night video. And man, I would go to Alan Roberts' house. Remember Alan? He was a classmate. I remember Alan. Go to his. Go to. His, I wasn't saved in high school. Right? And I'd go to his house, and they would play Secret Ambition by Michael W. Smith. Y'all know that song. If you haven't ever heard that song, check that song out. Watch the video. See if it don't convict you like crazy. Because it sure did me every time. I said, man, you ain't going to play that Secret Ambition song today, are you today? So that's why I was thinking in my heart. They'd play it, they'd play it, and I'm like, oh, man. You know? But I'm thankful for it. Played it, played it anyway. Right? And it was drawing me. To, I didn't even realize it. Because you know, I was playing a game back then. But still, it was realize, you know, I, I'm thankful for that. You know, I'm thankful for preachers who shared the gospel. and right? didn't care what you thought about it. You know, step on your toes. You walk out with only one of them, you know. But I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for those people. So think about those people in your life who, who told you about Christ or maybe just encourage you uh, in Christ and, and, and be thankful for them and be that person for somebody uh, today, this week, okay, as we ask Sally to Let's stand and sing hymn 294.